Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, yesterday I was talking about cats and whether or not cats are of the devil. And so today I'm going to talk a bit about dogs. And um, I do want to point out, however, that one intriguing uh, last thing about cats is really well represented by this cat named Oscar. Have you ever heard of Oscar the Cat? Oscar lives in a nursing home in Rhode Island, and he has this uncanny ability to predict when someone is about to die. And this is not just a legend. This has been confirmed by scientists. He has now predicted uh, at least when 100 people, I think it's over 100 people, are going to die. And they say, it's, it's very simple. He has the same little routine. He just, he comes right up to the person and he just lays down and curls up next to them. And then everybody's like, oh, here we go. And then the person passes away. Uh, and so if you are in this nursing home and uh, you see Oscar milling around, you're like, ah, ah, get the hell away, Oscar! It's like, it's, it's like uh, in South Park when Cartman goes, ah, stupid kitty! You want Oscar to get the hell away from you. And I was being interviewed one time by a show on Animal Planet. And they said, how do you think Oscar does this? And uh, I said, well, we are used to thinking of our cats and dogs as our friendly little pets. But they are the product of millions of years of evolution, and they are predators. And predators survive, you know, survival of the fittest, by being able to determine when something is weak, easy prey. And so dogs and cats both can sense the energy of death and uh, scientists say the best theory the scientists have here and I'm uh, reading this because uh, this has been covered in the New York Post and everything over the years scientists say that they believe he might be smelling biochemicals released by dying cells alright fine however it works dogs and cats can sense death especially cats though because you know we have we don't have oscar the dog running around very you know we hear oscar the cat so dogs on the other hand they do have of course their own paranormal legacy and we know dogs have astounding ability to smell even better than cats so consider that um Dogs also, of course, uh, they hear very, very well. They hear much better than, than humans, obviously. Um, we, we still aren't sure about all the powers uh, that dogs have, just like we're not certain about all the things that cats can do. But dogs have a much more pronounced connection to the cryptid world because of the idea of black dogs that come from Europe, especially devil dogs. Some people call them black shuck. Black shuck. And um, 
apparently shuck is a word for like shaggy. And so uh, these dogs that have been seen uh, throughout history, but especially in Europe's history, um, they've had a lot of different things attributed to them. Sometimes people say, if you see one of these things, it, it can be a protector. These are dogs that just sort of appear in a weird place and they just take a good look at you and they, they disappear, that kind of thing. In other cases, if you see a black dog, it can mean you're doomed. You, you're not sure which way it's going to go. But I, I, I always heard when I was researching these sort of supernatural black dogs that um, there was this kind of um, weird tradition that if you were to see one of these, you don't tell anybody about it for a year. Because if you don't talk about it for a year, you'll be fine. But if you do talk about it within a year, something bad's going to happen. That was sort of, you know, the whole legend that often would surround these creatures. And I wondered, why is that? How does that make any sense? And I started looking into it. And the best thing I could come up with is that in this area around England where these dogs were often seen, uh, it just so happened that for many, many years, uh, there was just so much crime that they had a statute of limitations on everything for a year. Isn't that something? It was just too much trouble to prosecute things. You just slap a year on it. You know, you, you find out, I mean, for everything, you find out some guy killed somebody and they say, oh, oh, well, been a year, fucker got away with it, oh, well. And that must have been such a standard guideline for them that they would apply that to just about anything, including, well, let's just, you know, switch that right over, transfer that right over to how you handle these these black dog and de- devil dog type sightings. So, of the different types of dogs, and there are many of them, I'm going back to my book here that I was reading from yesterday. Now, this is a book that, again, I wrote this thing, gosh, it came out in 2006, originally called Pet Ghosts, Animal Encounters from Beyond the Grave. Uh, this book here... It talks about all kinds of interesting dogs. For example, have you ever heard of the fairy dogs of the Highlands of Scotland? Uh, These are large dogs with short tails and long feet and are a mossy green in color. They appear to be guarding a cavern of some sort on the Isle of Tiree. And then we have galley trots. These are really bizarro. Tall, eerie specters that appear as hounds walking upright, sometimes with body parts seeming human-like. And they are most often seen around ancient European burial grounds or sites of hidden treasure. So anyway, we go through these different types here, but of course, the one that we all just love the most, the Hellhound. Hellhound really stands out. Hellhounds uh, are a hell of a lot like the creatures running around in the movie Ghostbusters. Because, well, sometimes they look very much like dogs, and sometimes 
They they just kind of look like dogs. But what I want to do here is read for you a little section about an incident where black dogs, known as hellhounds in this case, just went berserk. Uh, some people say these hellhounds are members of Satan's hunting pack, okay? So, uh, here we go. This is, I'm just going to start reading from my book. Though the earliest report of a black dog probably came from France in 856, that was a creature that briefly appeared during an evening church service with eyes glowing when the room's torches suddenly extinguished. The most outstanding early experiences were in England, especially August of 1577. Strangely enough, these encounters also occurred during church services. Now, the creature in France harmlessly appeared and disappeared, and we have no clear understanding of its implications. But the animal that interrupted a stormy Sunday morning service in Bungay, England, was certainly a hellhound. Without explanation, the beast, physically described as a typical giant raven dog with blazing eyes, appeared in an aisle of St. Mary's Church and violently sprung on a member of the congregation. By the time the hysterical patrons realized what was happening, at least three members of the church were dead, some with throats and limbs torn away, some crushed by fallen masonry due to the leaping beast's weight, and others scorched and shriveled by the phantom's energy. The region's storm churned with, according to Abraham Fleming's pamphlet of the day, quote, darkness, rain, hail, thunder, and lightning, as was never seen the like, end quote. Shortly thereafter, a black dog, perhaps the same one, interrupted another church at Blytheburg in Suffolk, only around 10 miles away, Mauling and murder continued there, and once its bloodthirsty work was done, the powerful hound galloped out a door, leaving a deep black burn mark on the surrounding wood. An old verse records the Bungay event. All down the church, in midst of fire, the hellish monster flew, and passing onward to the choir, he many people slew. These kinds of stories are particularly interesting. The incident at Bungay made such a realistic impact that the hellhound was incorporated into the town's coat of arms. And to this day, the supposed burn marks can be seen at Blytheburg. The dog's purported ability to savagely kill, and it's having a heavy weight heavy enough to destroy parts of the Bungay building, undeniably implies its solid existence in our physical realm. However, the fact it severely burned humans and the wooden doorway, plus the sheer scope and magnitude of its chaotic destruction and mysterious origin, are not consistent with any known normal animal. This curious combination of, dare we say, natural and supernatural qualities makes it extremely difficult to understand such a being. 
regardless of whether or not such beasts spend most of the time in some other realm, non-physical to us, when they do assume a presence in our realm, they are absolutely tangible and even augmented by physical powers misunderstood by present scientific views. They are certainly phantomals, and yet phantomals are not exclusively non-physical. On the contrary, they seem to shift between the frequencies of our physical dimension and others, fully interactive participants in whatever realm they occupy at any given time. And then I go on to talk about other bizarro creatures like the Vulharand, which is seen in South Africa, Omen of Doom, etc., etc. Um, to me, when I read stuff like that, by the way, not bad, huh? That's a pretty well-written book. Uh, when I read stuff like that, when I research stuff like that, I think to myself, you know, these creatures, they look enough like a dog that we can recognize them as a, as a dog. That's the closest thing we come up with. But they have these abilities that are not like a normal dog, and so it makes you think that they sort of evolved in a parallel dimension that is similar to ours, but just a little different. And that uh, they're allowed to sort of pass over here from time to time. Very interesting that these incidents often occur in churches. Very uh, interesting that they often occur during a thunderstorm which mixes up everything, the imbalance of electrical charges, throwing things off. Uh, Wow, you know, you you could really go on and on just digging deep into what that's all about in and of itself. What happens when some of these things transition from one level of reality to another, one dimension to another? Um, We... we, (laughs) We can toss these words around easily, can't we? Dimensions, realities, parallel, this and that. But we really can't grasp exactly what that means. It's just, you just have to accept it, you know. There are certain things you just, it's like in the movie The Mothman Prophecies. You know, when the guy is so desperate to know an explanation and the expert says, listen, you're not allowed to know. You know. You can't know. You're not allowed. But I did have my own experience with one of these types of creatures. And this is a wild story. And I may have told this story already at some point on this podcast, but I'm not going to let that stop me from telling you again. When you're, when you're trying to knock out a podcast off the top of your head every day, listen, folks, some stories are going to get repeated. As a matter of fact, I could probably just take every podcast I do after a year and just rerun them all over and over, and you'd probably never even know the difference. Ten years down the road, you're like, my God, that man is just an endless well of material. <laughs> no, I would never do that. But... Um, Anyway, look, this is one of those stories where you're just like, ugh, truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, I was hosting Speaking of Strange one night 
this was, you know, time flies. I don't know. I'm going to guess at this point, maybe this has been like uh, seven or eight years ago. And I was in the studio with my producer. I actually, I think my, my, my producer, I can't remember who the producer was. It might have been Forrest Connor, might have been Sam Still. Also, investigator Shelley Wright was in the studio with me. And my guest that night was my good friend, Nick Redfern. And Nick, he knows a lot about hellhounds and black dogs and stuff like that. He is from England, so he's much more of an expert on this subject than I. And he was on the show. This is a Saturday night. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, so he was on the show, and he was talking about um, this subject. I mean, I, I interviewed him for, I think, a couple of hours. I think I kept him on for two hours talking about various cryptids, but especially focusing on hellhounds and black dogs and stuff like that. And so we wrapped up, and it was late, local time. I think it was maybe about... Uh, close to one o'clock in the morning and the bars in Asheville are allowed to stay open until two o'clock in the morning and so sometimes I would go out to a bar afterward with uh, some of the folks in the studio and so that night um, Shelly and I decided to go to a bar that was sort of on the way to both of our houses and so Shelly was following me, and we were on these back roads in a, a pretty secluded part of town, especially at that time, uh, down by the French Broad River. I don't even remember passing another car that night. I mean, these were some real back roads. And there was a bridge up ahead, and right... Okay, so I guess to give you an orientation, okay, I am in my car with the river on my left and the bridge up ahead going from right to left. So I'm going to go to the bridge and I'm going to hang a left across the river. That's my plan. So as I'm approaching the bridge, all of a sudden in my headlights, there was this just completely uh, coal black creature on all fours uh, at first i immediately thought it was a black bear that's all i could imagine that it could be because you know i i have owned some big black dogs i had a rottweiler at one point uh, i mentioned that recently a big black rottweiler and he was about as big as they get and this was way bigger than my rottweiler much much thicker build so immediately i thought it was a black bear but I have seen lots of black bears in the wild. Uh, I used to hike and camp a lot, and I have walked up on black bears uh, many times. Um, it's actually pretty scary, but uh, anyhow. So my first instinct was this, you know, I, I, I of course, uh, stopped the car immediately because this thing's in the road, and then I realized quickly, that ain't no black bear. It had a very muscular build, and I swear to you, it, it turned and looked at me, and 
for one thing, its eyes reflected uh, just really bright white light, but it had a, a, a face that I can only describe as the face of a bat. Like a big, freakish, bat-looking face. And I'm like, what the... And, oh, God, I wish I'd had a dash cam. So, at this point, um, of course, I'm stopped in the middle of the road because I'm not yet at the point where I'm going to turn left. So, I know that Shelly is thinking what's going on, and I'm hoping that she's seeing this as well. But the creature wasn't there very long. It, uh, It took off toward the river, and I jumped out of the car, which... Uh, shows you this was a dangerous looking thing, but I did not feel threatened or frightened by it. So Shelly, uh, of course she got, get, uh, got out of her car and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, did you see that? You know, I'm freaking out and she didn't see it. And I was just like, ah, I can, I, you know, but she was not in a, an ideal position. And, and again, it wasn't there very long before it just went, you know, fleeing off into the brush down toward the river. And I had a fl- big, powerful flashlight, and I'm shining it down to the brush. And we waited for a little while, and um, it never reappeared. So then <laughs> I was a little shaken, of course. The bar was just not too far on uh, off to the other side of the uh, bridge. As a matter of fact, the bar was right on the river. We get in there, I sit down, I describe to her in detail what I'd seen, and only then did I realize, oh my God, we've been talking to Nick Redfern about these kinds of creatures all night. And Nick was saying that they are frequently seen around bridges and in water. Um, and of course, I guess that, you know, usually bridges are over water, not always. And it's one thing to see a creature around water because you think, okay, well, things have to drink, but why, you know, why a bridge? I look, there are many different ways of, of digging into possible explanations for this, the way the energy flows, uh, you know, humans passing over them and, and the connection, blah, blah, blah. But I thought this is like one of those moments where I just stepped over into the twilight zone. Talking to Nick Redfern about these types of creatures and then I get in the car at 1 o'clock in the morning and I drive to a bar and what do I see? One of these things that I would describe as this type of creature. And then I realize, oh shit, I just talked about this. Is something bad going to happen to me? Is it like black shuck? Well, uh, nothing bad happened. So there's a happy ending to that story. <laughs> and see, that's why I, I really am so amazed by these stories about cryptids that seem to be more than just merely biological, that also have this kind of interdimensional um, presence or relationship to us, or how, you know, however you want to phrase it. And, you know, my good buddy, Christian McLeod, who is the founder and president of the Asheville Cryptid Society, he has a very open mind. And he is interested in all the possibilities. I mean, um, he thinks that many of these cryptids may be flesh and blood. That's the term. Or fab 
as I call it. Bigfoot is fab. That'd be a good t-shirt, Christian. Bigfoot is fab. Uh, flesh and blood, uh, you know, and that means normal, well, more normal biological type of organism. And then you have people who think the Bigfoot, you know, might be uh, some kind of an alien or interdimensional thing, whatever. Cryptids are, you know, they, they, they span this whole spectrum of possibilities. And Christian, um, one of the things that makes him such a good cryptozoologist is that he he realizes all those possibilities. And, you know, I told you recently that Christian is working with the folks at M&D Paranormal and they are producing a van tour this month in March. This month. It's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, it's March already, folks. Um, and it's going to include cryptid sites and haunted places and all that. And uh, one thing that's really cool is that for the first time ever, my little sister, my only sibling, Jessica Warren, is going to be one of the hosts on this van tour. Now, Jessica is no stranger to the limelight. Um, she's a very charismatic person who she worked in in the TV business for a long time as an on-air talent she's been in movies but i guess you know she's uh well she's six years younger than me and she's never really done much in terms of like the paranormal world and i i think that's because she's always sort of felt like yeah you know that's what my brother does she's always been a participant in you know all the things that i've done she takes the tours and she comes to the events and she loves all this stuff but this is the first time that I can think of where she's actually going to go out and, and become a co-host in one of these events. And so I'm really excited about that. I wish that I could be in Asheville, or because uh, that's where it's going to leave from, in Asheville this month to be a part of this uh, and just sit back as a as a guest and, and you know watch how everything goes because you know it's going to be a fun time. But anyway, it's going to be you know Christian McLeod, and then we have Daniel Hurst from M&D, We've got my sister, Jessica Warren, that are going to be leading this thing. And so if you want to be a part of that, um, go to AshevilleCryptidSociety.com, AshevilleCryptidSociety.com, and you'll find a link there where you can get a ticket. I don't know if they have any tickets left, but anyway, I thought, you know, obviously we're talking about the kind of stuff that ties directly into that, and who knows? Maybe you will even get to see one of these creatures that I, I got to see. I sure hope they have a dash cam on the van, though. So, anyway, uh, look, I believe that's going to be it for today. As usual, I'm having to preserve my voice. Not only am I doing a lot of radio interviews, but you may or may not realize that sometimes, on top of all the other issues, uh, you can have really bad allergy problems here in Puerto Rico, and that's because you have all of this sand from the Sahara Desert and Africa that blows through here. Isn't that amazing? You probably never thought about that. There are beaches around Puerto Rico that are red because there is so much sand from the Sahara. In fact, this area that I'm in right now, 
is part of what's called Cabo Rojo or the Red Cape. And that's in part because of all this sand from the Sahara. So this sand comes through. And, uh, oh, man, you wouldn't believe how uh, this can mess up your, your sinuses and all that. So anyway, look, folks, um, here's the bottom line. Uh, whatever your interests are, I hope that if you like this podcast, you'll share it with all of your friends. It's always free. It's always short. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily because I try to, to do one for you on a daily basis. And if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, there is no period after the P. Go to joshuapwarren.com. You're going to find a lot of things that you're going to like, I guarantee you. If you like this podcast, you'll find things there you will like. Click the link to the Curiosity Shop. Click the link to my big event coming up in Las Vegas in May. That is going to be here in no time. And right there on the homepage at the top, you'll find the little red-looking box that you can click that will take you to these podcasts that go back now all the way to October. And so um, you can subscribe there through various means, or you can follow me on Twitter, and I will tweet when a new one is available, Twitter handle being at Joshua P. Warren. All right, my friends, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.